Ogden. So you may not know the name Robert Ingersoll. If you don't, that's not surprising because he lived and died in the 19th century, but Ingersoll was a professional orator. He was an atheist who made his living going around the country giving lectures attacking the idea of God and Christianity in particular. He was sort of the Richard Dawkins of his day, if you will. Well, once after giving one of his lectures, Ingersoll stood before the audience and pulled his pocket watch out. And he said to the group there, now I give God five minutes to strike me dead for everything I just said. And then he stood there and he watched the minutes tick by. When the five minutes were up, he smiled and put the watch back in his pocket, seemingly proving that God didn't exist. Well, soon thereafter, the Reverend Joseph Parker heard of this incident and he said, what? The gentleman thinks that he can exhaust the patience of Almighty God in five minutes. Friends, I think we would all agree that generally speaking, we are all grateful that God does not have an itchy trigger finger when it comes to the lightning bolts. At most times, I think we're very, very thankful that God is patient, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, as the psalmist tells us. But then there are other times, if we're real about it, that we actually wish that God was quick on the draw with the lightning bolts. There are times that we don't feel like being patient at all, and we wish that God would not be patient either. We're feeling victimized. We want it to stop right now. We see suffering. We want it to end right now. We see abuse or violence. We want it to stop right now. We see someone else being victimized, abused, persecuted. We want it to stop right now when we want the perpetrator of the harm to be punished right now. That's how we feel. That's what we want. God, pull out those lightning bolts and show us what you can do. Well, that is the spiritual headspace that the prophet Jeremiah lived in for about 40 years. Jeremiah was a prophet to the Hebrew people, more specifically to the people of Judah. And he felt called by God to tell the people of Judah that they needed to get their spiritual act together. They needed to live as God was calling them to live or there would be consequences. Their country would collapse and fall into the hands of their arch enemies, the Babylonians. You see, the people of Judah had fallen away from the worship of God. Instead, they were engaging in idol worship. They were worshiping little wooden figures that they carved with their own hands. And incredibly, they were engaging in violent human sacrifice to those little wooden idols. It was a time of greed, every man for himself in Judah at that time. The priests were accepting bribes to perform certain religious acts and widows and orphans, the most vulnerable in that society, were ignored or worse, even harmed. And the rich sat before tables laden with food inside their homes and gorged themselves while the poor starved to death on their front steps. Needless to say, God was not pleased. And after a while, 
God had had it. God was fed up. So God said to Jeremiah, okay, you tell the people, if they continue on this track, the consequences are coming. The consequences are coming. You tell them. And Jeremiah did that. He announced, time's up. Consequences are coming. And then the time dragged on and on and on and on, and the divine hammer did not drop. And during that time, well, sometimes the folks in Judah just ignored Jeremiah. Sometimes they misunderstood him, but a lot of the time they persecuted him. Now, let's be clear. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because he didn't relish delivering that message. He loved the people of Judah. But he was also a good and faithful man who knew that the violence, the sinfulness, the unfaithfulness, well, it had to stop. He continued to deliver his message, and then he got around the 40-year mark, and at that point, even Jeremiah started to get impatient. He wanted justice. He wanted judgment. He wanted God to swoop in and make everything right. So he cried out, where is the word of the Lord? Almighty God, where are you? And where are those lightning bolts? And maybe you've asked that question at one time or another in your life. From time to time, I think we all ask a version of that question, where is the word of the Lord? Where is the word of the Lord? My spouse is using our children as human pawns in our divorce. Where is the word of the Lord? My business partner cheated me out of all of my savings. Where is the word of the Lord? I went for a walk downtown and there are mentally ill people who are homeless and hungry and receiving no treatment. Where is the word of the Lord? There's been yet another school shooting. And innocent people, young people, kids have lost their lives. Where is the word of the Lord? Now, friends, if you've ever asked that question, I want to tell you I think it's faithful that you have. I do. It's a natural thing to ask where is the word of the Lord, because if we didn't ask that question, that would mean that we could no longer discern the difference between right and wrong. And it would also mean that we didn't believe that God had anything to do with making things right. So it is a faithful thing. It's a real and honest thing to ask, where is the word of the Lord? And at this point, you might be saying to yourself, well, Holly, that's great. That makes me feel infinitesimally better about things. But really, what's the answer to the question? When there is violence, when there is hatred, when there is injustice, where is the word of the Lord? Well, let me tell you a story. There was a very young black man who was living in the midst of a community that was horrifically persecuted. People were starving, they were oppressed, they were treated with tremendous racial injustice. And this had gone on for a very long time. So he went to his pastor and he said, Pastor, I don't understand. I don't understand why our people have to live this way. Why doesn't God do something? And the young man's pastor said, well, he has. He created you. 
And then Desmond Tutu went on to be a great leader in the country of South Africa, working for justice and for freedom. Where is the word of the Lord? Friends, we must remember, first and foremost, that the word's alive in us because the living word is Jesus Christ who makes his home in the heart of every believer. Remember what John tells us in his first chapter. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things came into being through him. Without him, not one thing came into being, and what came into being in him was life. And that life was the light of the world. And that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That light shines on. It shines on in our hearts, friends. And that word, it it lives on within us. And you see, friends, as Jesus' followers, we are called to embody that word in the world. We're called to shine that light into the darkest places. In a way, friends, when we ask, where is the word of the Lord, you see, we are also asked to help answer our own question. Because for reasons we don't always understand, our God and all of God's holy wisdom seems to prefer working through people like you and me rather than sending down the lightning bolts. So what that means to us as Christian people, those in whom the word dwells, is that we are called to take up our cross and follow Jesus, to work to make things right when they are wrong, to speak out against harm, against violence, against victimization. This will not make us popular. We already know that it does not. But that is Christ's way. And again, that is our responsibility and our privilege as Christ's followers to pick up that cross and to follow him in this way. Most particularly, friends, this means that we have the responsibility to point out what is evil in the world, to work against it in all forms in which it presents itself, to shine light on it so, well, it can't just go hide under the rock from which it just crawled out from under. This last week, early one morning, one of our pastors opened the front door of his house to come up to the church for work. And he saw at the end of his driveway a little plastic bag with something in it. Curious, he walked out there and picked it up. And as he did so, he noticed that the same sort of little plastic bag was at the end of nearly every driveway on his street. Inside that little plastic bag was a handful of dried beans. They were put in there so the bag wouldn't blow away. And then also in this little plastic bag was a slip of paper that contained a hate-filled white supremacist anti-Semitic message. It was a hate-filled message directed at Jews. I'm not going to go into the particular contents of the message because I don't want to give these folks any extra publicity. But I will tell you this, that at the top of the paper, and I've seen it, there was a star of David juxtaposed with a satanic pentagram. Do I need to say anything else to you about this? You understand. It was horrific. 
It was nauseating. It was sickening. It was sinful. It was evil. And I never use that word lightly. I have a very healthy belief in evil. And that's what this was. Friends, can you imagine walking out your front door and finding such a thing? Can you imagine a child finding something like that and reading it? Can you imagine being a member of the Jewish community and finding that in your yard? Maybe you were a person who found one of those little flyers this week. I heard from several of you by email. Maybe you were one of those who picked up that little flyer and held it in your hand and thought, I cannot believe this. This is 2022, and people are still creating things like this and skulking around in the night and leaving them to spread hate in our community? Where is the word of the Lord? So how are we to respond as Christian people? Well, first and foremost, friends, we've got to pray because that's what Jesus, who dwells within us as the word and the light, would ask us to do. We pray for those who are harmed and frightened, and we pray for the perpetrators. We pray for those who would do such a thing that their hearts would be changed, that they would repent and turn away from that kind of behavior. And then second, friends, we act. We respond to that kind of inhumanity and hatred with acts of character and love. We speak out. We stand with our Jewish brothers and sisters and say that there is no place in our world for that kind of messaging. We denounce that kind of hate speech in the strongest terms. We shine that light. Friends, because we can't ignore this kind of stuff or just push it aside, evil breeds in darkness and it multiplies there. So in these kinds of circumstances, when we ask where is the word of the Lord, the first place we look for the answer is in our own heart and life. And then second, we wait with patience on the Lord to act. This is hard for us, but we must do it. And we don't wait in vain. We have experiences in our past that tell us that our God is always good and always keeps his word, is at work in history and is faithful to the promises that God makes. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. put it this way. He said that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. My friends, that is the witness of Holy Scripture. That is the witness of the church. That is our experience as a people. Our lives are in the hands of a God who neither slumbers nor sleeps, but is very much at work in the world. I'll close with this. There was a pastor who had a very serious problem going on in his congregation. It was keeping him up as night. And one evening, he was awake till 4 a.m., tossing and turning, worrying about this problem. 
Finally, he reached a point where he thought, you know, I just need to put this in God's hands. And so he prayed that prayer. He said, God, I, I give this to you. And almost immediately then, he heard a voice whisper in his heart, this is God. You can go to sleep now. I am awake. My friends, when we ask where is the word of the Lord, when we feel that we are standing in the shoes of the prophet Jeremiah, it is then that the word and spirit of Christ who dwells within us whispers to us that we worship a God who is very much awake. God is at work in our heart and in our lives and at work in the world. Where is the word of the Lord? In the hands of our God who neither slumbers nor sleeps. Will you pray with me? Most loving God, we give you thanks. For even though there is injustice in our world and there is sin and there is evil, we know that we are not alone, that you are with us, that you strengthen us, and moreover, that you are at work in and through us and in the world to bring about justice, to offer hope, to establish peace. Lord, give us the courage as Christ's followers to take up our cross, to be those who will stand, even if it is risky, to point out the evil and to shine light to bring about good. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.